Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks. And I'm Zach Fishman. And this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here and welcome to Modern Business. Welcome back, everybody, to Modern Business Podcast. I'm coming to you from a new locale. Uh, this is the very first time that I am recording from our new studios uh, here in West Loop, Chicago. Uh, looking forward to another awesome episode once again from my uh, new little spot with the desk. I don't sit at a kitchen table anymore. We're, we're, we're growing up over here in Chicago, which is awesome. Um, so uh, for today, you know, we wanted to take this back to food and beverage and specifically we wanted to get a little bit more into an industry in which we've seen a lot of M&A activity in the past 24 to 36 months. Uh, the fast casual Mexican space uh, has been very, very busy. Uh, we have seen a lot of brands get purchased either by strategic partners uh, or they were purchased by PE or there's been growth equity. There's been all sorts of stuff going on within this industry uh, where we are seeing a lot of very strong AUVs. Uh, you know, we're seeing that Mex the Mexican category in general is one of the fastest growing categories in the U.S. at the current moment within uh, chain restaurants. And so franchising is, of course, no different. Today, we want to cover a brand that, to be honest, is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I grew up uh, really in my college years eating this brand I want to say maybe three or four times a month. So I would say it was a pretty good amount. Uh, their humble beginnings really started in the D.C. area. Uh, and uh, I'm really lucky enough to have gone to school probably like three blocks away from their original location, which is pretty awesome. Uh, they recently announced last year that they are going to be franchising for the first time. And I'm lucky enough today uh, to have the VP of Franchise Development from District Taco. I have uh, Tina Gans on with us. Tina, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I, I love the beginnings of this brand. And I think it's it, it started out the way a lot of awesome restaurant brands in the space uh, really began. And what it's evolved into, you know, it's changed so much even from when I uh, recently went back to see DC probably like three, four years ago and had it. You know, the, the brand was unrecognizable in a good way in, in how much it had grown up. And now today you guys are all over the DMV area. And now our goal, of course, is to evangelize this across the eastern seaboard and then hopefully eventually uh, further and further along. Um, you know, what I want to start with, Tina, is about the founding story of the brand, if you wouldn't mind talking about that. And I know you tell the story a lot, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you wouldn't mind talking us through the brand for folks who don't know, uh, because, of course, it is. Uh, for the most part, a corporately owned brand at this point, and franchising is a pretty new foray. Uh, but I uh, would love to kind of hear the founding story, and then we can get into how you got involved as well. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a great story. The origin story, as I like to call it. Um, so well, let me just back up for a second. So the brand is fast, casual, Mexican. Authenticity is super important to us in the menu. And it comes from the um, literally from our co-founder um, Osiris Hoy, who is Mexican. He's from Yucatan, and um, he came to the United States. Uh, I want to say around 2000, uh, in the early 2000s, and he got a job at a you know at a restaurant washing dishes. He didn't really speak English very well. He saw a nice lady there that he he wanted to talk to and maybe you know get to know a little bit better. Um, but he didn't speak English. So he took several years to learn English and really, you know, 
because he wanted to get to know her better. Anyway, they're married now with three kids. So that's, that's <laughs> <I hope> that. <laughs> so, you know, this is a man who works toward his goals, but um, you know, in the, so and in, in the interim, he um, started working in, in construction. Right. And then when 2008, the bubble burst. Um, unfortunately, he lost his construction job. He was, you know, talking with his neighbor and they were eating his homemade salsas and chips and, you know, guacamole and, and talking about, you know, what's going to happen now. The economy was bad, you know, and, and he and they decided, they realized they both had an interest in, in a restaurant. And so they were going to do a restaurant, and but they, you know, it was a kind of a big uh, investment at the time. So they decided they got a, a hot dog cart and they converted it into a taco cart. And so they started making uh, district tacos started out. We actually still have two of these carts on our property right now. So I drive by, I see them every day. They're super tiny. I don't even know how to, I mean, if two people fit in there, it's amazing. Um, but it was breakfast tacos. And so that is our origin, our original, um, you know, sort of item, the popular item selling breakfast tacos um, outside of metro stations in uh, the DC metro area. And today we have 14 lo corporate locations in the, in the DC, Maryland and Virginia area. But two of those are in the Philly suburbs. As you said, we recently started franchising. Um, we were quietly franchising for a couple of months before we announced in late 2022 that we were officially franchising. And so now, um, as of December, we have 70 units uh, in the development pipeline. So um, things are moving quickly. Yes, they're certainly moving quickly. And I think that, you know, that kind of leads me to you, of course, Tina, and how you got involved in this brand. And I think that, you know, some of the I, I, what I have seen personally in, in this podcast and then just also, you know, just seeing it with my own eyes is that some of the greatest brands that grow the quickest and the most responsibly are corporately owned brands that have a really nice footprint within a certain regional area. And then they bring in somebody who's been in the industry like yourself to be able to kind of evangelize it across the rest of the country. So, you know, when you, how did you get mixed up in this brand? I guess is really <laughs> my question, because it's a, it's always funny to see how people, you know, get involved. Yeah, well, thanks for asking that. Um, so first, um, I'm a DC native. I've been here a long time. Um, and I was um, also a fan of the brand before I ever became uh, connected with them. My own background is I got into franchising back in 2005. So I'm put, you know, getting up on 20 years here. Um, I've been a, bro a franchise broker. I've been a, a two-time franchisee in two completely different industries. So I'm really a franchise professional at heart. I love franchising. I love what it can do when it's done right for, you know, for the business owner, for the employees, for the customers to get a great uh, product or service on a consistent basis. I mean, I just love the whole thing. So, um, you know, I'm a committed uh, franchise professional. I've got a, my CFE certified franchise executive. I think that's very important. Um, you know, to put the whole uh, the whole of franchising in a in a framework, and then how I got to um, District Taco, I uh, was recruited. I I was recruited off of um, uh, LinkedIn, and they called me. And I live a mile from the office, which is like oh. the craziest thing. I have gotten on a plane and flown to Vietnam to do like. Uh, like a, an event, you know, <laughs> and the fact that I got something in my backyard that was, you know, ideal for me, which is to be in this 
development role. So my role is, you know, of course, it's franchise, it's franchise sales and development. So I'm really, I meet the franchisee from the beginning and I get them all the way through, um, you know, their, their first three quarters of operations. So that's, I mean, I'm always there to, as part of the support team, but my my uh, my mandate is to, is to personally guide like the entire team through the entire process to make sure that, you know, it, by the end of Q3, they're tracking for the numbers that we think they need to to be successful. You know, we're not just going to like say see you later after grand, grand opening. Sure. Yes. I mean, and I think that that, you know, in brands of this stature, I think it's really important to have somebody who understands both sides like you do. And, you know, I think what I found funny when you were talking about the founding story was that I actually, you know, I was there when they, I remember I was in college when they announced that they were going to open up their first location. You know, it was a food truck that I was an intern and I experienced it myself and that they used to, you know, park it in near Farragut West and Farragut North and McPherson and on my campus and Foggy Bottom and all of these places where all these government buildings were. And then magically, all of a sudden, they had a location uh, in DuPont, which was great. And so I, re I remember fondly, like the first time that I ever went there um, and just kind of experiencing it for the first time. And I think that, you know, what always stood out to me and what I think stands out to a lot of people is really you know, the chef-driven authenticity that I think that the brand brings, especially when, you know, it is a fast casual brand. You see a lot of the fast casual Mexican concepts out right now in franchising that have a bit more of a Tex-Mex Americanized feel to them. Uh, whereas I think you guys are really trying to go more towards, you know, the authenticity. I, I believe that the humble beginnings of the food truck and the food carts that you guys have really make the brand very different because there's not it's not so common that you see brands that are started by you know a native mexican or anything like that that are out there and i think that that makes it really unique and so when you're talking to multi-unit operators because that really is your mandate and that's really what you understand and where i believe the brand makes the most sense personally as well um what about the brand do you think really stands out is it the authenticity is it the numbers, you know, what what are you kind of seeing as you guys have started to franchise for the first, you know, within that first year here? Yeah, so um, it's definitely the people love the product. Um, they love the food. And so they get excited about the food. In fact, our first franchisees um, who bought a, a five unit development agree, agreement um, and they're already uh, a multi-unit franchisee of another, a big burger chain, right? So they, and they've been in franchising themselves for 20 plus years. They started asking us back in 2015, like, when are you going to franchise? When are you going to franchise? So they were <laughs> waiting, right? Waiting, waiting, waiting. They had to wait for six years before they could sign. So, um, you know, people who understand, who are on the inside of, you know, multi-unit uh, operations, who want, um, you know, they want to partner with a, a great, They want, you have to have a great product. I mean, you need everything else too, to be successful, but you better have a great product. And they just love the food. So it kind of starts there. Then when they come in, so as we go through, um, you know, the due diligence uh, process on both sides, we're learning about each other and they start to see in more detail what we have to offer. Uh, they get very excited, um, and and then once they've signed and we bring them on and we show them all the the uh, support tools, especially our technology, uh, our tech stack is is amazing. 
um, and all of the support, they just they just get super excited. And that we've I've heard on more than one occasion, you know, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, so and so doesn't have that, right? The, these big guys don't have what you have, and they get very excited. And in fact. Um, some of our franchisees are already coming back to us to acquire additional territories, even though they haven't opened their first restaurant. So we're actually, it's happening a lot. So because once they see what we've got and how we support, you know, they know they, they've seen breakout successful brands before in the past and they've been shut out, right? Because they didn't get in early enough and they didn't get a chance to get their preferred territories. So once they understand what we have to offer, they want to pull down those territories quick. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I think that from a tech perspective, you know, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, as many listeners will know, is that, you know, when you have a brand that has a very sophisticated, you know, technology stack, I think, of course, multi-unit operators are drawn to that. But I think that, you know, the fact that you all have a pretty have a pretty robust corporate structure really allows you guys to really self-fund yourself and go out and buy this technology and make it the norm. Whereas I think when a lot of brands are starting in the beginning with just, you know, with just, you know, franchisees from the very beginning, you know, it's up to the franchisees to feel comfortable and kind of doing that with the corporate team and testing and things like that. Whereas, you know, if something doesn't work, like it's your money, right? If it's corporate. And, and right. I think that starting with those 15 corporate locations allows you all to do that. And I think that it it really is and clearly is the preferred method for a lot of brands in the beginning to be able to have that infrastructure before they go anywhere, which is which is great. And so it's cool to hear that you guys have multi-unit franchisees coming back. You know, my next question is really around, I would say, the real estate piece, because you talked a bit about that earlier. Uh, I know that you guys have done a little bit of suburban. You guys have some urban locations, and that's really kind of like the beginnings for you. Um, what are you guys seeing now when it comes to what your plans are? Are you guys going to keep it more towards urban centers? Is it going to be a mixture of urban and suburban? You know, what are you all seeing in terms of the demographic data when you're going to place locations and such? Yeah, so we're still, um, you know, our, it's true that many of our, um, in our original corporate footprint in the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia, we did have a lot of, um, you know, urban locations. And, um, but this is all pre-COVID, right? When there was a lot of foot traffic. And, and so, you know, I think the, you know, the, the jury is in on that. We will probably never see, maybe never say never, but it will be a very long time before we see, you know, the, the office, um, number, the number of people going into the office five days a week or four days a week for lunch, or whatever, those days are going to be, uh, are probably not coming back they're certainly not coming back anytime soon. So we did see a big uh, switch, right? So uh, in the in the earlier days, our urban um, stores outperformed our suburban stores, and then that dramatically flipped um, during the pandemic when people stayed home. And although there's been an evening out, we still find more benefit um, in um, in ur uh, suburban areas, um, and that's where we're focusing our site selection is on suburban areas, you know, with, you know, great demographics and um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting when, that you say that because I think you're probably right. I mean, <laughs> I, I know that I don't personally go and go, go out and walk when I'm working from home to go and find food because I'm normally making something here or I order it because I just want to maximize the amount of time that I have here because I get another two hours of work now because I can work from home. So totally agree with that. 
you know, w- when it comes to, you know, places that people are returning, I think that people want experience, right? And I think that, you know, part of what I am seeing a bit of is that non-traditional is starting, non-traditional development starting to come back a little bit, uh, a little bit faster than just normal urban normal urban sites. So talk to me a bit about if you guys have explored non-traditional at all. And and if you have, um, you know, what is most interesting to you? And if you haven't, you know, why you feel like that it may not be viable yet? Yeah. So because we are, you know, we're, I mean, we're clearly we're an emerging brand. We, We are building our initial locations as we speak. Our first two will open in the next, you know, uh, four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are um, just amazing locations, like really super sweet uh, real estate. We're so excited about it. But, you know, these are clearly suburban markets. And we want to get that right first before we go into non-traditional. Um, you know, we do get a lot of uh interest from, you know, the travel centers and airports and things like that. But we're just not ready to do that. And there's also a lot of turnover of, you know, of operations. You know, your franchisee is a, a you know, a multi could be a multinational, right? So, or multi, I mean, you know, a huge conglomerate. And and you give you, you have the potential to give up the that, you know, we want our franchisees to touch the food. You know what I'm saying? We want them on the business. So sure. sometimes the non-traditional, um, you know, they're large, large companies. I'm not saying anything, there's anything wrong with it. It may not be right for us right now. Yeah, that makes sense. It and makes I think sense. that certain brands certain feel brand like that it's important like to do in the beginning and certain and some don't. So I think yes. that it ultimately totally depends. So yeah. as it relates to, you know, I, I think I really want to get into the inflationary pieces of this now, because I think that, you know, Mexican food in general, but fast casual Mexican food is famous for being able to, in in Chipotle, of course, is a perfect example of how they were able to kind of maximize, you know, cost of goods sold and how they were able to maximize supply chain. Uh, And now every fast casual brand feels like that they want to do it this way. Um, But Mexican food in general, I think, is is pretty famous for having some pretty awesome numbers. But I know that you shared with me offline, you know, some of the things that you're seeing um, in terms of, you know, inflation starting to go down a little bit again. And, you know, people are starting to discount again and loyalty programs are starting to ramp up and the customer is is winning at the register a little bit more um, than maybe we were three months ago. So talk to me a bit about, you know, just for the multi-unit operators that are listening here you know, what what you're hearing right now in terms of, you know, some of the numbers that you guys, you know, are seeing from a, maybe it's really, I would say, cost of goods sold and what you're seeing out there, you know, for a brand like yours, just to kind of make some of these folks feel comfortable uh, about, you know, investing in a restaurant brand now. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we made a lot of changes uh, during 2022 um, that we you know, in terms of reporting out numbers, really almost didn't, we didn't get see the benefit until the 2023, uh, our, our Q1 2023. So the way we constructed our FDD shows that, right? So, uh, and, and the, one of the big things we did was um, change our, our distributor. And we got a lot of, um, you know, we just weren't seeing, uh, getting the love from the other uh, big uh, distributor we were using. So we found, another uh, distributor who was willing to, you know, they saw the, they saw our vision and our expansion potential and we started working with them. And so we've really been able to press down on our COGS. 
Um, so for example, um, in our in our item 19, our for our um, our 20 um, our 2023 Q1. Let me pull that up. Um, Cogs, yeah, really good. The app for for our average Cogs uh, for across all markets are are 26.6 percent, which is a nice number um, for um, for any restaurant really. And you yes. know, remember we're we're not a we're a fast casual restaurant, so you know we are um, the way we our food our product is like it's more than. Yes, it's assembled on the line, but we're cooking it fresh every day, you know, and, and we have a lot of, we put a lot of care in, into the quality and the prep of our food. It's super, super important. Um, and um, so, you know, a 26.6% uh, COGS is, is really good uh, for a restaurant like ours. And our, um, our revenue, um, so our reported revenue, for example, in 2020. Two, our average, um, our AUV um, is, is 1.96, 1,096,000 uh, across all markets. And then our top third average is 2.5. So, you know, when, yeah. listen, when, when, you're, when anyone is sizing up a business uh, to invest in and they look at, you know, thirds or average or whatever, if you're a good operator, you're saying, I'm in the top. I'm in the top third. That's me. <laughs> And they and that's the way that's the right attitude, right? You want to be in that top, and you want to beat that top. So you know, to have a, a 2.5 um, average um, AUV for the top third of our uh, corporate stores is is you know pretty good. No, and then, let me just tell you. Can I just say one more thing? We also uh, shrunk our um, our footprint. Our average corporate store is about three thousand square feet, and we're looking to get closer to two thousand square feet. And the two that are opening just now are um, right around like twenty one, twenty two hundred square feet. So we're going to be able to do. You know, we're just much more efficient now in the way our the, we've constructed our line and our footprint the cost run. So we've done a lot on that. Yeah. And I think that that just comes with practice as well. And it seems like that that's a trend that I'm seeing is that people are starting to get more towards that. If you're an elevated, ex elevated, authentic, you know, food experience, you want to get a little bit more towards the 2000 number than the 3000 number. So not surprising there. One thing I do want to comment on is that those AUVs are pretty good because your investment, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are around you know, 800 to 1.2, correct? Is kind of like where it where it fits from an investment level. Yeah, so, we're right in there. Um, yeah, one one point oh. one point four is on the high end, but yeah, and okay. and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's I like mean, seven thirty to one point one point four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, like with that type of investment level, you know, pretty pretty damn good return, right? And I think yeah. that. And I think that, you know, when people may be asking, well, those are corporate locations, but what I would argue is, is that, you know, I fundamentally don't believe there will be that much of a drop off, if any, because it's it's evidenced by the people that you guys have brought in, right? You guys have a lot of multi-unit, multi-brand operators and brands that, you know, have been very, very successful, not only in urban, but also suburban markets as well. And so I think that there's a lot, you know, to be proud of there. So I'm interested to see kind of how that evolves as you all have a year under your belt from a franchisee perspective, but uh, really positive things to see there. Um, so I wanna transition uh, to my second to last question, which is really around technology, which you touched on briefly, um, but I wanna get into it um, a bit more brass tacks. When 
when you're talking to a multi-unit operator, what is the one piece of technology that you'd say is something that you guys are most proud of having that really makes that really makes these operators are like, wow, like that's that's cool that they have it either in general or at this stage of their life cycle or whatever it may be. Um, so there are two, well, there are more than two. I'm gonna say there are two big ones. <laughs> but the um the first one, the first one that our franchisees will, well, the first thing they'll be introduced to uh, as a candidate is um while we don't show them, you know, we don't we talk about it, but we don't um, you know, like actually take them into the program is we have a proprietary um custom built dashboard that we call the portal where we bring all of our um, third party and in-house designed technologies in the tech stack into one location. So um, I remember when I was a franchisee in another you know, brand in another industry, I would just go mad trying to, you know, pull down all like try to, you know, find the vendors for this and the and the, all of that stuff, it was just maddening. And um, so we actually have pulled everything together. This includes um, you know, our accounting system, our scheduling system, our LMS learning management uh, system, we call it uh, DTU, District Taco University. Um, but that's a custom uh, dashboard portal where not only our franchisees, but we use it. I mean, that you know, that's what we use. Um, and to your point, we don't we're not testing anything on our franchisees. We test it on our own corporate locations first and then we and then we make sure it works and we we you know do whatever we can to crush the cost, you know, bring the cost down. We're kind of ruthless when we uh, get into those discussions with our vendors, they'll tell you. And then we bring it to the franchisees. So when they see that um, that dashboard, they they understand that we understand what they need to, uh, to operate efficiently. Um, in addition to that, once they're so once they're and we start onboarding them and we show them what we have on the real estate side, you know, that this is not a proprietary um, platform that we're using, but we are investing in third party uh, technology platforms that benefit our franchisees directly. And so when we start showing them all the things that we're doing for them, they're just, they've literally said, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe you have that. You know, these other guys don't have that. So those are the two big things. Um, we recently redid our app. And it is, you know, it's got a beautiful, uh, refreshed uh, look and feel um, with, of course, some uh, improved, uh, even better functionality. But we launched a new loyalty program um, that allows uh, customers to, you know, sort of do everything through the app into the loyalty program. And, and, and it sort of uh, mimics the um, our kiosk experience. That's another part of technology that we're using. We use we have uh, ordering kiosks which drive down, um, you know, increases throughput because you get many more orders at one time or the ability to do that. And at the same time, you're reducing labor. So we put a lot of uh, time, thought and, you know, and in, in investment into um, trying to make a create a the most efficient um, and robust technology environment for our franchisees and our corporate stores, too. I mean, it has to be for both of us. So I like that. I like that. I mean, I think that those are you guys are very on trend with a lot of the things that you need to have, especially if you're a, a sophisticated brand and one that has many more locations on average, uh, sometimes don't have all of those things. And so the fact that mm -hmm. you do, I think, is a testament to 
you know, the fact that having a corporate infrastructure sometimes is a nice luxury to have to be able to test it internally. And, you know, I think that that definitely makes a lot of sense in terms of the way that a fast casual needs to operate today. And so yeah. you know, definitely something that a lot of multi-unit operators like to see. So can I add uh, one thing to that? You one may. little thing. And so, um, you know, I mentioned um, Osiris Hoyle uh, is our co-founder, right? The gentleman from Mexico. Well, his the 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 guy he was sit, uh, sitting and talking with and having chips and salsa way back when is our other co-founder, and he himself is an award-winning technology entrepreneur. And his company created Flyby, which is a global, um, you know, location-based technology that I don't know, I forget how many, 50,000, some crazy number of uh, retail, um, not only restaurants, but many restaurants and, and even like Best Buys just to, it's, it's location-based. So, um, so when we're ordering something, whether it's a TV or a taco, um, the service provider, the retailer will know when the customer is arriving and they can prepare that item for the customer in a much more timely fashion. So not only is the customer having a better, it's called flyby. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of flyby? Yeah. So that, have, that's, yeah. so that's one of the people oh, who's oh, our co-founder. <laughs> so we, you know, we've got technology, can I say in the, in our back pocket for sure, but um, it's, yeah. Uh, so we do take it seriously and we've got a lot of talent uh, in house as well. Oh, I like that. That's cool. That's a that's a very little fun fact to throw in at the end. Fun that fact, I, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that I'm happy that you did. Well, well, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely love the fact that technology is ingrained in the brand. And as we all know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of brands that are not meant to be technology companies are technology companies. And so I think that, you know, if you guys as a brand have that in your DNA, that's uh, that certainly says good things on average for your future, which is awesome to see. Um, so final question for you, Tina, before I let you go, uh, is just around uh, any major things that you guys have going on that we did not mention for the rest of 2023, uh, exciting initiatives or anything that is uh, of note that you want to cover. Um, I mean, we're, you know, we are, you know, um, you know, looking straight ahead, executing on our um, on our expansion strategy. So we are um, exhibiting at IFE um, in uh, International Franchise Expos, um, which will be our first time. That's a, uh, it starts next week around this time. Um, so that's in the uh, tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, so we'll be happy to um, be, ex you know, get some folks up there looking looking at us a little more closely. Um, we are we haven't signed this deal yet, but we're about we're in process on a um, a ten unit deal in New York, um, and and another deal possibly in New Jersey to add to the seventy we've already got in the pipeline. Um, and um, yeah, so I can't say we have any big announcement, um, but we are you know we we're starting to get um, noticed by some of the larger restaurant operator groups um you know we're not really in a position where every now and then someone will say oh you know we're we're looking to acquire brands and at this time that's not our interest we want to grow our brand well i think there's a lot to be excited about you know going further a little further up north is, is one to be excited about uh, i know that you guys have a lot in development you know around the mid-atlantic area and you're starting to creep into the northeast and eventually you'll go southeast and then we'll we'll see where we are uh which is very exciting, but uh, you know, Tina, I'm really happy that we got a chance to talk through the brand today. Uh, you know, I, I I love to see brands that I really you know started out as being an 18 year old eating this brand, and now it's uh, look at where we are uh, 11 years later. So uh, really, really awesome to get a chance to 
spend some time on this today. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, before we go, uh, where can people go to potentially become a franchisee of District Taco? Um, our best place is the website. Um, and you can go to franchising.districttaco.com or you can just go to district.taco.com. And at the bottom of the page, there's a, um, a link to get to franchising. Um, but you can easily Google franchising and district taco and you'll get there. So I love it. I love it. Well, thank you very much for sharing and uh, super excited to see where the brand goes and uh, looking forward to, you know, seeing you at the IV because I will be there as well. Oh, good. Uh, awesome. Okay. Surprise, uh, but I'll be there for a day. Yeah, surprise, uh, not surprise. It's an event. Yes, going, exactly. So. so I will. Uh, so I will see you at the IFE. And uh, folks, by the time that you're listening to this, it will probably be uh, a little bit after Memorial Day for for folks who are going to be uh, celebrating that. Uh, hopefully, you guys all enjoy yourselves. Uh, and for our veterans, thank you very much for everything that you do. Uh, Tina, thank you again for coming on the show today. And for folks who'd like to listen to more episodes like this, uh, please go to Modern Business. That's M O D. RN business uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, thanks again uh, for Tina Ganza for coming on the show from District Taco. Uh, if you are in the DMV area, I highly, highly recommend you go check it out. And uh, thanks again, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.